At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. I'm Dan Staten. This is your blue collar, do-it-yourself, self-guided, public land, elk hunting learning curve resource, where we leverage hunting to create more personal development. Our goal is to educate and encourage our listeners to become the best possible version of themselves through hard work, delayed gratification, and being accountable to themselves. Hey, welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. Hey, I hope you're doing okay right now with a little COVID-19, another podcast dropping today. I just want to help keep your mind straight, and uh, we're bringing on John Barklow of Sika Gear. He's the big game innovator. He's the big game designer. He's a really legitimate elk hunter. He's a diehard archer. This guy's the technical reason Sika Gear's awesome. I mean, he's one of the best assets at Sika and truly my favorite person to talk to from Sika. Uh, so we're getting him on here today and we're going to go through a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about mental toughness, mental preparedness. That's a question we get a lot on how can I hack it, especially you solo elk hunters when you're going out for 10 days, 14 days solo, you're going to have to face some demons and you're going to have to know some best practices to improve your mental preparedness. We're going to get into some sick of gear, not a lot, but we'll get into some of their systems. We're going to talk about, you know, stress shooting and figuring out how to shoot under duress and how to elevate your off season practice, also known as perfect practice. And uh, we're just going to get into some fun stories, man. John's a great guy. He's been on the, the cast before and, uh, you should give him a follow on Instagram. I'll leave a uh, notes in the show for you to check him out. This podcast is brought to you by the Vortex Optics. What's up, Vortex? I'm actually going to have to postpone my visit to Vortex HQ. was set for Elk Shape Camp 7. At the time of this recording, we hadn't canceled camp yet, but we just postponed it. So my visit to Vortex will be pushed back. So I think we're going to do the Wisconsin camp in June or July 2020, Lord willing. And then Kenetrek Boots is another huge sponsor of this podcast. We just gave away a pair of mountain guides off of Instagram. You guys should be following Elk Shape on Instagram. We do a lot of giveaways there. We've given away a Hamski Rest. We're giving away a crossover symmetry set at the end of the month for anyone who signs up for 90 Days to Freedom. Arguably my favorite Garage GM program, hashtag bias. But uh, been obviously this is a good time of year for those that are uh, basically stuck working at home and working out at home. 
this is a great program. I know that Rogue Fitness sells a lot of gym stuff. Uh, my gym's decked out in Rogue gear, not sponsored. And, you know, I just saw them post something recently that they are no longer taking online orders because they can't catch up. That's unprecedented. So I think a lot of people are migrating that way towards home gyms. And they're awesome. And when things come back to normal, it's really cool to be able to go to your gym. And then on the days it doesn't make sense, you can train at home like I do. And it's a win-win. I'm going to keep my membership to my CrossFit gym, but I'm still going to train at home as well. Obviously, I have to train at home right now. So 90 Days of Freedom, if you sign up for that by March 31st, you're automatically entered in that drawing. And we're giving away, like I said, crossover symmetry set for the shoulders and that thing's a hundred something dollars and i'm shipping that to one lucky human so onyx hunt is another big big supporter of this podcast and what we're all about they give everybody who comes to elk shape camp a premier membership and if they already have one they just tack on another state and i don't see how you could hunt without onyx the way i do because I use the tracking, I uh, basically discover the elk trails. I, I'm, I'm on my phone all day, but I'm not checking Instagram. I'm literally checking out, navigating, and figuring out where them elk are at. So Exo Mountain Gear, they are a huge supporter of Elk Shape Camp as well as the podcast. And uh, they've been giving all our campers uh, an exclusive discount. I can't offer it here and getting folks set up for their pack system. I'm going to run the 4800 and it's on a K3 frame. I've used the 3500. They have a bigger bag for those that are like seven to 10 day hunters. But for me, 4,800 compresses down small enough into a day pack, uh, or you can uh, make it as big as a five day, six day pack easily. Um, they also have a new 1800 out, which I do have my hands on, and I'm going to use that for some shed hunting, bear hunting this spring. So I'll be able to test that out, uh, which is great. Matthews, thank you for all that you do for Elk Shape. Uh, we're giving away a Matthews bow at the Elk Shape uh, camp. So our last camp, when it's done, we'll do a drawing. We'll give away a VXR, and we're going to th throw that VXR in a uh, really cool double bow case from Lakewood Products, and we're going to put a Matthews logo on there. And those those bow cases are legit. I'm staring at one right now. That's right. It's a double bow case, so I carry my, my starter and my backup bow on all my hunts out west, which is really cool. And we're giving everybody at camp a Grim Reaper broadhead, the Hades 3-blade, which we mentioned on this podcast today. That's my broadhead of choice, a fixed sharp chisel for elk. No nonsense. Not a lot of moving parts. Super sharp out the package, and it's going to cut through elk. Uh, AAE... Not yet, but soon we're going to have those AEE Stealth Max veins with the elk shape logo on them. We'll have those in the store. I have some sample ones right now that I can give out to elk shape campers, and I'm getting some arrows. And we're going to do – I think we're going to do another video on how to fletch your own arrows, how to build your own bullets. Uh, we're going to do that for our YouTube. If you're not a subscriber of the channel, guys, we're blowing that thing up with two or three legit videos a week. Supplement offer, Wilderness Athlete, 30% off your first purchase. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE30. Save 30% on your first order. Grab everything. Try it all. I love the hydrate and recover. So, And it's not a bad idea with trying to build your immunity to take the greens formula, especially if you're short on veggies. Uh, I haven't been grocery shopping. Uh, my wife's been doing it, so I don't know how the, the shelves are looking. Uh, but uh, if you're doing social distancing, your vegetable intake might be down backfill that with a greens formula without a doubt. Um, I'm going to use the air pad from climate this year. That is going to be a game changer and the little backcountry pillow elk shape 20 uh, climate.com will save you 20% off. That's elk shape 20. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. And then the cool things we're giving away at elk shape camps, tight spot quiver, black gold, both those companies out of Montana, 
giving me those prizes to give at camps is awesome. I always find the right person to give those to, which is huge. Same with Off Grid Food Co. Um, their macronutrients are definitely elk shaped HQ approved, and they're out of Washington, and they taste the best. And that bison and mac is the best ever. They have really good trail mixes and breakfasts, and they're again their macronutrients, protein, carb, fat is the best. That's what we got going on. Hopefully, we're doing another uh, bow build on my last chance archery stuff. I got a whole home pro shop waiting for a VXR 28 to arrive. I've been fiddling around with my left-handed bow, but I can tell you right now, I'm going to shoot right-handed probably for the year. I'll keep shooting left-handed, but I'm not ready to switch. Uh, spring bears right around the corner. We got wolves. We got sheds. If this lockdown continues, um, I'm going to have to really step up my game and get out of the office and get outside. So you guys have a lot of choices when you listen to podcasts. We appreciate you picking this one. Tell a friend about it. And remember, separation is in the preparation. Let's go. Mark Lowe. How's it going? You hear me all right? Yeah, I got you loud and clear. You got me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So are you at work today or what? No, man. Got sent home yesterday afternoon nice <laughs> yeah there's worse things i can you know i can do a lot from home uh yeah i'm sure you could are you what are you doing testing gear or what are you up to uh writing briefs for fall 22 new product okay yeah working out shooting my bow i mean I, i'm set man I'm, I'm good to go like hunkering down is not that i feel like my whole life is hunkering down. I've built my own pro shop. I got my own archery range. I got my own gym. I got internet. What else does the guy need, man? You don't need much. You got a beautiful family, so you're set, right? You got a freezer full of meat. Yeah, we're, we're dialed. Kids are loving it, although I'm not sure about teaching. I feel like all teachers should get raises after trying to teach my daughter a few things. Uh, good God. You know what I mean? You know what this does, Dan? It just it reiterates that people that are self-sufficient, we're it just separating the wheat from the chaff. It's like, oh, I got to stay at home for a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm good. Exactly. No, I think I don't know when uh, well life will return to normal, but uh, I guess we just have to adapt. I think that's the beautiful thing about us as humans is we're adapters, and uh, we'll get through it. But I can appreciate what the message is is like hey you know older folks are super susceptible us regular folks we got to do them a solid so right right i can appreciate that message but uh has it affected any of your big plans yet no no nothing yet nothing yet starts going into may at may right i mean may i mean i'd still go black bear hunt but uh, or turkey hunt but we've got some field testing trips for some stuff and that may start to get affected in may so hopefully we'll see we got a month a little over a month what six weeks till that happens what about you you I got any of your uh, elk shaped camps yeah so wisconsin's at the beginning of april and i don't know man i like i booked a couple extra days so i could go to vortex optics and hang out um an extra day at Matthews. Uh, I don't. I think both those guys are closed down right now. So, are they? Uh, I emailed all the campers and said, "Hey, uh, we're gonna make a call next week." So yeah. I got. Oh, I, I'm gonna give it a few more days. Probably about oh ten days, and then I'll make a decision. But 
uh, and then Colorado was into April. That would just suck, man, if I couldn't do either one of those. But uh, I would get a lot of shed hunting and bear hunting and turkey hunting in. So I don't know. Yeah, well, beginning of April may be tough, but hopefully by the end of April we're we're good. Um, we had you on the podcast over a year ago, believe it or not. Yeah, that's what I was looking at. I was like, good Lord. So in the last year, what have you done that is exciting that you like instantly comes to mind, um, that you're, you know, proud of, like, what have you done well in the last year, man? Like as a human being or? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that's uh yeah, you're a human. Let's hear about that stuff. Yeah, so the the couple big ones that come to mind is um, quit drinking. And I'm not going to tell you that's going to be for the rest of my life, but uh, quit drinking. Um, Really kind of shored up. I think I talked to you a little earlier about, you know, my morning routine has changed. I just realized that, uh, you know, to be a better human being, I needed to take care of myself first so that I could be a better human being to everybody else, work, family, et cetera. So been doing that for over a year, actually, um, but just really solid, consistent. I mean, I've been doing it for 30 years, but just a dedicated renewal to it. And then something that I'm not sure what, how you feel about this or what your thoughts are, but um, also been doing a little over a year this uh, inter- intermittent fasting, Ooh, which yeah. is – for me, for me and my body type, dude, it's been, it's been great. So honestly, you put all those three things together. This is my 50th year on the planet. I'm going to be 51 the end of the month. Um, you know, I've had to modify my training a bit. Recovery's a little slower, but, um, but other than that, 50 is, um, 50 has been pretty good to me. I I've made 50 pretty good to me. I've worked at it. So Anytime somebody does significant changes like that, uh, without getting too personal, like there's always a tipping point uh, that kind of will jerk a synapse of emotional response where it's like, that's it. I'm not drinking. I'm intermittent fasting and I'm making myself a priority. I'm training in the mornings. Was it just a buildup or was it like a specific episode where you're like, hmm? No, it was a slow roll. I mean, you know, I spent. 26 years in the military, um, you know, did, did a lot of cool stuff, but just, uh, you know, that world and that environment, not making excuses, but it's, uh, you know, it's high stress and you're running around with a bunch of type A's and the, the reality is, you know, my 49th year wasn't all that great. I mean, I started to, uh, you know, get aches and pains that I hadn't had before. And, you know, like I said, I'd always been disciplined. I've always worked out. Um, but as you begin to get a little older, you need to continue to reassess and to be quite honest, you know, and I know you talk about this a lot, um, but I want to keep hunting and specifically elk hunting and specifically elk hunting in the mountains uh, as long as I possibly can. And I just knew that there needed to be a next chapter in my life. And uh, I was ready for it, to be honest with you. And, uh, I I've embraced it and it's been awesome. And it's like this renewed, this renewed sense of, um, of discipline. And, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that without discipline and making things hard in your life or seeking out hardship, like you just become so weak mentally and physically that, you know, speaking for myself, it's just, uh, 
I'm not a good person. You know, I'm just, I'm a good person when I, when I'm working hard, when I'm struggling, when I'm, when I'm disciplined. Um, and then I, like I said, more importantly is I think I'm just a better husband, employee, brother, you know, et cetera. So to kind of philosophize a little bit that in my 49th year, it dawned on me that it was time to find, uh, you know, John Barclow 2.0, so to speak. I dig it. What did John Barclow 2.0 write on his whiteboard in the garage gym? Oh, dude, I've got a lot of stuff written on my whiteboard. Um, one of them is uh, from Nietzsche, Society Tames the Wolf into a Dog. Um, but at the very top, well, let me tell you another one. Um, this I got this from... Uh, I got this from Jocko, but it, it was don't give in the habitual comfort. Uh, that was another. But at the very top is a, I, I got it from a guy named Mark Twight. Now, I don't know where Mark got it. I've never actually Googled it to look up if it was a quote from somebody else. But it was something I've kept with me for a long time. And uh, it's written at the top of my whiteboard. And some people that see it, they, they kind of look oddly at it. But it says small, pitiful and shitty men. And what it doesn't say underneath it, because it's my whiteboard, is don't be one. And so every day when I go in and I write my workout on the board, I, I look at some of these sayings. It helps ground me and just kind of, um, you know, make me level set. And I see small, pitiful and shitty men. And I'm like, I don't want to be one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just makes, you know, just makes me kind of work harder and and uh, focus maybe should would be a good word. I know, man. So. We as men, we have to recognize that, you know, there's a line in the sand of seeking out comfort versus on the other side is like actually looking for high roads, difficulty, which let's be honest, life is full of difficulty. That's for certain. Difficulty is a certainty. But uh, when you actually seek it out, I think you can get some strides in mental preparedness, which we talked about bringing that up on this on our conversation. So here we go. Um Everything you wrote on that whiteboard sounds like preparing the mind. I've heard Mark Twight say the mind is primary, and I couldn't agree more, especially in a in a hunting perspective. So what are, if we had to distill it down to best practices to improve your mental preparedness, what does that look like? I, I think the first thing is it has to be done every day. Um, it's not something that you just turn on in, in September and turn off you know, in October. Um, to me, it's a constant, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the most, uh, I like to say I am the most successful average person you will ever meet. Um, every day I have to work at being good at everything. And, uh, so for me, it's, you know, the, the first thing is when that alarm goes off, get out of bed, right? That is just the, the simplest thing to do, but the hardest thing to do at the same time. But, uh, but going there and then in the morning, I like to say, I think I told you is, you know, make my mind and my body right for the day. And, you know, Dan, it's one of these things that you can do it for 20 years and then stop doing it and it, and it all goes away real quick. And so I think, the, you know, not that I'm old, but as the, the older I get, I think it's more important because I could take those days off in the past and it, it actually gets, I would say, you know, maybe more difficult is the way to phrase it. Um, but you know, getting out of bed, staying motivated. I think for me, there's just a focus. I mean, I'm just, 
I'm looking at being a better person, but you know, the ultimate goal for me at the end of the year is to go elk hunt. I mean, that's, that's what I want to do. That's, I, I always have to have a goal. I couldn't just get up and do all these things and just, you know, me for me personally, without, without having some payoff at some point in the year. Um, but, uh, but you know, that, that's, that's the first thing is, and then I can go and start my day and face society and deal with whatever work or, you know, family challenges. Cause I've already challenged myself. I've already done what I wanted to do, you know, shot my bow, worked out all those kind of things. And, and now I can kind of face my day. And then the next morning you just got to get up and grind and do it again. Mm-hmm. I like it. You are a self-proclaimed workaholic. So yeah. Unfortunately, this, yes. <laughs> here's another workaholic asking another, like, do you have any checks and balances on, you know, finding a balance in your workflow? So I think my wife finally, like, let me have it not too long ago uh, because she's just like, dude, you have to be done with your day by 5 o'clock p.m. so we can – do normal family things. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I've been trying obviously tonight. We're, we're not doing that, but for the most part I've done a, I've obliged, uh, who, who, who checks John Barklow on his work ethic when it's too much? Well, ultimately who, who eventually checked me on that was, uh, was my wife Jules of almost 29 years of marriage. Um, but you know, she did 28 years in the air force. I did 26 years in the Navy. I mean, our lives were, were busy and there was no clocking in and clocking out. And so it's been part of our lives for so long. Um, you know, now Jules has since retired and I've moved on to a different, different career field. Um, I'm here to tell you, I'm my, I'm my own worst enemy. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, talking about getting older, I don't have children. So like I am set up for some failure in some regard, um, Dan, because the only person that's going to check me is probably her. The only person that could check me is her. I'd like to tell you I could do it. I try real hard. I'm not real good at it. Um, and so I'm working at it. I really am working at it. And she, she's kind of told me that, uh, you know, now's the time to start to start cashing in on some of those vacation days I've saved up. And so I've, I've made a commitment to that. Um, you know, full disclosure, I just got back from a week in Hawaii with her, uh, where I chose not to go hunt. We just went and hung out. It was awesome. Um, I just bought a sliding camper. I'm going to, you know, go around this summer and see the state. So I, I, I'm still a work in progress. It's taken me a long time to get there. And again, that's going to be one of those things that, is going to be a very conscious effort on my part to, uh, to carry through on. I mean, I love her. I love spending time with, with their outside. Um, but there's, as you know, especially being self-employed, I can only guess there's always something else to do. And I'm a very driven person and I want to be successful and I got to work hard at it. Yeah, there is always something to do. Uh, but dude, you went to Hawaii and you didn't hunt. That's impressive. What Island did you go to? That's a good first step, isn't it? Holy smokes. Like I'm planning to go to Hawaii with my wife. We went two years ago and uh, we've saved some loot on the side. And I was like, we'll go when we pay our house off. Like we're on our last kind of Dave Ramsey, let's say ish. Not like a, I'm not a huge Dave Ramsey guy, but I like the the snowball effect of paying off debt. So I was like, 
June 2021, house is paid off, we'll go, but I'm going to go three, four days early so I can hunt a little bit with my buddy in Maui, and she just rolls her eyes, but how did you do it, man? How did you not hunt in Hawaii? Well, I, you know, I might do that next year and, and go a few days early, but, um, I, you know, I needed it, and I knew real, right away, and I've got really good friends. We went to the Big Island. Um, Kona specifically on the big island. I've got plenty of good friends there that would take me out fishing and spear fishing and, and, and hunting. And, and, uh, I just realized that if I started packing my bags to go on a bow hunt when we were in Hawaii, it would totally detract from what I was there for. Yep. And I've been to Hawaii and hunted it before. So I've been fortunate in that regard. And I was, I could certainly give up a week, um, to, to hang out with my wife and, uh, and some friends and honestly, dude, I didn't miss it. I mean, it was it was actually good to not have a um, a full agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a huge swimmer. You know, I love like one of my Zen things in life is if you know if I had a a one lane Olympic sized pool, I'd I'd be in it every day. But you know, so my one indulgence is I go to the pool. Kona's got an amazing outdoor pool, and I go and swim uh, every day for about an hour. Um, and, and, and Jules will go with me, you know, if not every day, then most of the days. So we kind of share that, but that was my one indulgence. And other than that, I just kind of vegged. I didn't bring my computer. I didn't, you know, when I say veg, I mean, I didn't just sit down on the couch, but yeah, had those friends over that are, that are good friends of mine that are hunting and we just had barbecues and stuff. And, uh, I needed that, I guess <laughs> in, yeah. hindsight, in, in hindsight. But, but, but next year I may go a couple days early and take advantage of some of that. Yeah. The fact that you left your boat and your laptop, man, good on you. Um, my aunt lives in Kona and, uh, Alicia and I went there one year and she took us swimming kind of along the Ironman course out there in the ocean. It's all buoyed out. Did you end up swimming that at all? I didn't swim that this time. I've, I've not swam the Ironman course, like the whole thing, but I've, I've swam that. I swam there for sure. Yeah. Out in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, it's legit. It really is. Um, okay. It is legit. And I, I forget where they start, but you know, you're swimming against the current. I don't know if it's an out and back or a one way, but anyways, you got to do it right. Or you got, you're against the current. It can be brutal. The day I did it, it was kind of tough. Yeah. So now that you're out of the service and you're working, uh, for Sika, you're, you're the guy that designs all the cool stuff. You're usually a couple years ahead Take us through like a normal work day for John Barklow, if there is such a thing. What time do you get to the office? What? How many meetings do you have to go to a day? How many emails? Like, is there is there anything exciting? Um, and if so, tell us what that is. Yeah. So first off, you know I manage the big game side of the house. So there's other people that do waterfowl and whitetail and and do some cool things there for sure. Yeah. You know I. I get to the office, uh, early, um, at least an hour earlier than, than most people. Uh, there's a few of us to do that. I, I just tend to tend to get more done that first hour in the morning sometimes when there's not a lot of people there. Um, so let's just call it seven, seven thirty to five or five thirty, something like that's kind of an average day for me, um, in the office. Yeah, we have lots of meetings, but you know, the thing I like about my job is there's no one day that's the same. Um, cause you have to imagine, you know, depending on, 
what you're doing as far as um, a development of something. It could be in the beginning stages or or the uh, you know the investigative stages or something, or it could be in the middle of something where you're you know you're actually getting prototypes and you're out field testing or managing the field testers, or it could be later in the development cycle when you know traditionally we go to Asia like this last December. You know, I was in Vietnam for two weeks with with some folks um, tweaking the final prototypes to kind of get things exactly where we want them and costing where it needs to be and and all that. And so every one of those is a super cool thing. But, you know, generally speaking from ideation, so from the beginning of an idea, we'll call it a you know white paper and you start writing ideas down and sketches and and those can come from a lot of different sources, Dan. They can come from my brain, but they can come from guys like yourself who are super experienced and in the field. Um, generally, I don't open it up for legal reasons to just the general public to have access to me with ideas because it could get a little weird if, you know, let's say I was already working on something and somebody told me an idea. And anyways, it would just get weird. But you know, we've got a great, we surround ourselves with a great group of people, but, but from that ideation to actually bringing it to the consumer could be anywhere from two years, two years on average, I say several projects will have coming out next year or three years. And then a few have taken as long as four. So it, it can be a long process. Um, you know, if we don't find a fabric we want, then we, we go and try to make one and, you know, just a lot of field testing, you know, some products will get, you know, two full big fall big game seasons on them um, on average before they come to to the consumer in a store or online. So um, I don't know if I completely answered your question, but it's, it's a pretty dynamic environment. It moves quick. You can't really, t you know, take a day off because you still have to meet the timeline at the end. So every day off is one you can't make up. You guys have had to probably, you know, have a pretty strong hold in the market for several years. And I always say it's lonely at the top. And <laughs> it, it's got to be if you want to stay up there. Um, it's pretty cool that you do the big game stuff. That obviously interests me the most. Uh, we've broken down some of your stuff before. So I don't I want to bore our listeners. But there is one thing I want to talk about. And that's just coming up for this 2020 season, like, if you had to, if I had to pin you down to, all right, Barklow, you know your system's inside now. September's are generally pretty hot. They get a little bit cooler uh, as you dive into the month. But what is the one system uh, that would probably work the best throughout September? And then, and it'd be as detailed as you want. But I'm kind of trying to pin down you to, all right, name the pant, name the shirt, name the vest or the hoodie. Or what is it that's the right combination for you? Yes, yeah, um, great question. So for me personally, uh, what I've been wearing the last, I guess, three years now, because I got to test it for maybe four years. I got to test it for two seasons. But um, the Apex pant, for, for an archery hunter, the Apex pant uh, is a great choice because it's our quietest pant that we offer. Um, but you know, I live in Montana, you live in Idaho. If I was, if I was running around hunting Utah or New Mexico, like I think you did a few years ago, um, 
because it's hotter down there, I would probably say the ascent pant. So either the ascent pant for really hot weather, early season elk, or the apex pant for more of these mid to northern climates. Um, then I'm a huge proponent of the core lightweight hoodie. So it's a synthetic long sleeve hoodie, but it's got this built-in face mask. And so, you know, when you're calling in bulls or your buddy's calling a bull for you or whatever, like things can happen quick. And so it's kind of nice to just have that face mask. And I wasn't a big proponent of shooting with a face mask for a long time, but the ones we put on are so lightweight and they're so, they're just so quick to deploy. You know, I was a big face painter for a long time. Um, so anyways, core lightweight hoodie. And then the next one would be, uh, what's called the apex hoodie. And so that's like a mid-level. So that's kind of when it gets a little cool in the mornings, that kind of thing. Um, the apex hoodie has elbow pads if you want them, but if you don't, you can remove it. It's also a midweight wool, um, that's, you know, kind of keeps the stink down and keeps the, keep the warmth up. Um, but it also has a hood and that face mask. And then for those kind of cooler mornings and evenings, I think the Calvin active jacket is kind of the, the perfect combo. So, um, ascent pan or apex pant, core lightweight hoodie, apex hoodie, Kelvin Active Jacket, I think are a great place to start um, for folks for folks that are going to bow hunt out west for, for elk or mule deer, actually. Yeah. Are you a gators guy or not really? Uh, I'm a gators guy when it gets, when there's snow on the ground. And then, and then I start wearing gators. Um, the gators we have that are the best are, are called the Stormfront Gator, kind of for that time of year. Um, we've had some other gators in the past, but if I, if I'm going somewhere where it's going to rain, uh, I'm bringing gators or if there's snow on the ground, I'm bringing gators. Uh, traditionally I don't, I haven't really had to have them. Um, it, I think it depends on what kind of boots or shoes you're wearing. So if I'm wearing a 10 inch tall boot, generally I don't need to, when, you know, when I lived in Alaska for all those years, hunting blacktails and, and things like that. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely wore gators every time I went out. Cause you had a lot of Creek crossings. Um, you don't necessarily have a lot of those where I've been hunting in Montana. Last September, I spent, uh, 24 days in Idaho, uh, went yeah. to Wyoming first. Uh, it was a, it was a draw limited quota. It wasn't easy, but it wasn't, it wasn't my hardest elk hunt of my life. Mm -hmm. had, had good success and then came back to Idaho 24 days and I passed on a few bulls, but that's not the point of my story. I think 19 of the 24 days, it either was raining or it had just rained. So like the huckleberry brush just held all oh, the moisture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I get the question a lot of time, how to differentiate rain gear from Sitka. So since I have you here, uh, first and foremost, are you a guy that just kind of packs the jacket or are you always have a full set in your pack and then what are your differences between your whole, like, you know, your cloud burst on down? Yeah. So I'm a guy that definitely brings jacket and pant. I mean, to me, rain gear is survival gear. And, and the one time you don't have it, you're actually going to need it and wish you'd brought the pants. Um, because, you know, a lot of people, to your point, Dan, a lot of people don't understand that you know, it could be a bluebird day, but if it rained either the night before or you're hunting rosies in the, in the jungle in the, in the Pacific Northwest and there's dew on those ferns and stuff, and you go walk through there, you're going to be wet from the waist down 
and it's going to get your socks wet at the top of your boot. And the next thing you know, you're going to have wet blistered feet. So, um, yeah, for sure. I bring rain gear, jacket and pant for that type of hunting. Um, cause I'm, you know, I don't always backpack, but I, I put a lot of miles on. I generally bring our cloud burst rain gear. I think that's the most versatile. Um, that kind of sits in the middle of, um, you know, kind of that sweet spot of versatility. Uh, we also make one called the Thunderhead that's got a brushed face. Um, if you're doing a lot of miles and a lot of backpacking, it's not one that I would recommend, but it definitely is quiet. So those guys in the PNW, you know, who are hunting those ferns and things like that and just thick, thick. And I know you hunt the same thickness up north. Um, that's a good option. And then if you're a guide or just you know, want something that's the most durable than we have our storm front. But really, I, although it's an incredible product, it's really more of a guide worthy product. You know, you're going to put 200 days a year on it. You know, that would be what I'd recommend. So yeah, the cloudburst jacket and pant. And then if I'm, you know, working in your neck of the woods, yeah, I'm definitely bringing those storm front gators. And then, you know, what I like to do is put the gators on and kind of keep them on. And then I run the rain pants over top. So there's an overlap and then you can cross streams. You don't have to worry about water running down the, the pant leg and into the gator. And it's just a great combination. Um, if you are hunting in that, in that terrain. Is there a downpour jacket as well? Or do you guys still make that? Uh, we do not, okay. we do not, but uh, stay tuned. Cause we have something, uh, crazy, exciting, crazy, really nice coming out. Uh, ah. For 20, but super early 21. Yeah. Okay. Right yeah, on. yeah. Yeah. That answers uh, that. But, but you know, Dan, to go back to kind of circle back to where we started, you know, your example of, of grinding it out for 24 days in, in your home state, um, you don't just build that, you don't just build that, that mental discipline and fortitude um, the day you start elk hunting. If you hadn't done and lived the life you live and, and grind the way you grind day to day, that intestinal fortitude is just not going to be there. And I'm sure even then you, you, there were days, you know, if you're like me, you know, day you struggle here, there to want to get out of bed, but it, but it's the way you live. And so it's not this huge, it's not this huge, crazy upset of your life. You're like, Oh no, I've been here before a lot. And, uh, you know, and then you, you, you just keep grinding, right? Elk hunting is a grind, especially like you know, some pretty educated animals, uh, some high hunter density areas, man, it is just a matter of putting your best foot forward every day. And eventually I think you'll get your opportunity, uh, yeah. probably when you least yeah. expect it. And hopefully, you know, you're in the right mind frame to capitalize. I feel like that's where a lot of hunters just don't capitalize when that opportunity is there. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, well, because you never know when it's going to come and when it, when it shows up, you, you, you got to you can't be running on empty. I mean, you still have to be able to have something in the tank mentally, cognitive, cognitively and physically, right. To, to capitalize on that. Yeah. I think that really just stems from being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And like you said before, takes reps. Um, I like learning from other hunters, man. And you've hunted with a lot of hunters. I'm going to put some pressure on you to maybe, maybe share a story or two of somebody that maybe everybody would know of that you've hunted with. And you were like, this guy blew my mind. This girl blew my mind. They did this while hunting and, and it was exceptional, uh, best practices, 
whatever. It's kind of a different question, but I, I know you've hunted with some cool people, so I, I want to live through you a little bit. Yeah, I, I have been fortunate enough to hunt with a lot of people. I'm not sure if I don't know if a lot of people know that the gentleman I would I'll talk about um, maybe just to start, but his name's Tyler Johnerson and he lives here in Montana. He's one of our field testers and he's kind of a modern day Jeremiah Johnson. He's crafted his whole life around living in the mountains, you know, collect sheds for money, films, guides, but I've got to hunt with him several times and I, I give him most of my elk hunting success credit. Um, and he said to me one time, well, let me, let me, let me frame it up before then. He's also a houndsman. So he runs hounds. Oh dude. That's the guy on Instagram hunt solo tie on solo tie, right? You so, guys have to follow this guy. He, he's oh an my gosh. I'm so glad you mentioned his name. Okay. So, so anyways, he hunts, he hunt, he runs dogs and he hunts these cats and he doesn't necessarily do it to shoot these cats. He does it for the chase. He loves it. But he said what he's been able to extrapolate from following these big toms around the mountains and how they hunt and coming across a kill and being able to see in the tracks like where the cat went, how he ambushed the, you know, the the elk or the or the deer that that he's become a better hunter for that. And so, you know, he was able, I've been able to extrapolate some, some lessons from him every time I hunt with him. Uh, it's, it's been amazing elk and antelope mainly I've hunted little deer with them. Um, but you know, he said going in, he's like, you, you have to, you, you have to train and, and be in the mindset where you're working off instinct, because if you sit there and hesitate to take the kill shot, if you hesitate to, to move left when you, sh you know, when you should, because you're you're constantly thinking about stuff and not just acting like that animal, like that big Tom. He said, you know, success and failure could be the difference in just a few split seconds. He says, you're not, you're just not going to have the success that you want. And he says that just takes practice and thinking through it and be mentally prepared before you ever step into the woods and off the truck. And, uh, man, I mean, I got, I mean, I'm looking right now at a, at a big bull on the wall and I get, I just, give him all the credit man. and he just we just were working together in a zone and an opportunity presented itself and you know he was filming me and he said don't wait on me and I won't wait on you and it just I've just always taken that lesson and told people like you have to know what you want you have to know how to do it and you have to be on kind of this instinctual autopilot or you're just going to have opportunities slip through your fingers you guys from a marketing standpoint, should just buy him a little Sony A6500 DSLR and swap it out for his cell phone. The dude posts, if you guys have never followed him, he posts the most ridiculous like elk encounters. He's just like, and it's always like with a newbie, like he's taking some kid out for his first elk hunt and he's calling in bulls and these bulls are slobbering, calling them and they're getting shots and he's filming from his handheld cell phone and the dude is just, he's in on him, man. His encounters are insane, and I've never met him. I've only just seen some of his stuff on Instagram, and i it's always worthy of a good watch. Yeah, I forget now off the top of my head. I'll, I'll get it wrong, but I'll take a shot at it. But I believe that, like I said, he does a lot of filming. I think he's filmed three, four, three or four world records, maybe five world records. He's been on the hunts where 
where guys have have um, him filmed and and um, or he's filmed um, a lot of them sheep. And he's just an amazing guy. Like when you take him out there, he is he's not. A, I mean, to call him a cameraman would be absolutely doing him a disservice. Like he is absolutely an asset to the hunt. Um, yeah, he's a great guy. Definitely people do a lot. They would learn a lot to follow him. Yeah, I want to I want to know more about him, man. He's intriguing. Is he out of Bozeman area? Yeah, he is. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Grew up here, um, and around here. Yeah. Have you actually had a chance to hunt mountain lions with dogs yet? No, I never have. You know, generally speaking, that time of year is pretty busy for me. Um, so I haven't had a chance to. I, I mean, I've had the opportunity. I just haven't had the chance to go. He's he certainly made the 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 offer. Have you have you done that? Uh, I did. I went last. Uh, oh, that's right. You killed a nice big tom, didn't you? Yeah, we went last year, and I wish I could go do it every year. It's like really? it's awesome. Um, even if you don't get one and you get to treat a couple cats, I right. mean, sign me up. It's it's hard, and all credit goes to the dogs. But you still got to get up early and cut tracks and measure strides, and you got to go through some hellacious loops. And uh, especially in wolf country, it's a little more stakes stakes are a little higher but uh yeah i don't know if this if this lockdown keeps up brother uh i'm gonna be doing some wolf hunting here in idaho soon yeah i saw you posted that the other day was that a was that a video you'd taken recently where that yeah was that, jason that was last summer uh before elk season and it's not great video obviously but i mean you can tell it's a it's a cow running from a gray and a black wolf and it's on the logging road, man, where uh, the elk doesn't have that great of a chance, you know. Um, right, right. I think that's why a lot of the elk move out of the high country and back towards their original plains and valleys where they can they can see danger coming. I think that disbursement is happening. But, yeah, I'd like to get out uh, soon. I think they're still breeding. I think they're still hallable. Um, so if I could do my sh- – Anytime I go out and don't take a gun, I'm going to see one. So hopefully I can get out there a little bit. Um, I don't have a snowmobile. That's my one That's my one thing I'm working on, figuring out. And I don't want a sled, John, to like high line and go. I, I could care less. I want a sled to just hunt and trap wolves. So I'm working on it. You said that the other day in your post, and it kind of like, it kind of like made me put my head down like in shame because you're, you're right. Like if we all love these elk and, and we want to go chase them in September, October, like we should make a conscious effort to get out there and, and try to manage that, that wolf, uh, pack. I mean, it's legal. We're allowed to do it. Um, we should, we should, we should make an effort. I think 30 wolves now you can take in Idaho between trapping and hunting tags, 30 tags. 30 tags for the whole state? Yeah, for, no, I'm talking per person. Like, y- you could go get 30 tags uh, if you knew what you were doing. So, uh, Idaho does recognize it, but uh, we had a guy on here from Stuck in the Rut. They're out of north, north, north Idaho, and they've killed quite a few wolves. And they said the trappers are doing outstanding this time of year because the pans aren't getting frozen. And so, it's not uncommon for them to literally take out an entire pack in 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 a couple weeks uh if they do it right and then unfortunately you got states like washington where there is no management in place and so those wolves just end up backfilling 
where the last pack got trapped out. So it's pretty frustrating for those guys, but um, I don't know. We'll see what happens this fall with Colorado. Uh, it's on, it's going to be on the ballot. I know. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what makes some of those Southern States so good. I mean, genetics obviously, but there's just not a lot of large apex predators running around down there. Um, grizzlies and, and wolves, you know, I know they've got cats, but, but yeah, it definitely helps. Have you had an opportunity to hunt uh, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Utah for elk? I've, I've hunted Utah. I haven't hunted the others. Um, I've got points in all those. Well, I don't have points in New Mexico, but I have points in Nevada and Arizona. I kind of was in Arizona for a while, and then, I don't know, years ago, right? And then I got upset about something stupid I can't even remember and stopped playing that game. And so I, I started a couple years ago back in Arizona. You know, I'm kind of in... I'm in this like middle ground with a lot of my points. It's I have to either decide to to use them or not. And uh, I think a couple states uh, I'm going to play the long game, but other states like Arizona, I'm going to try to roll through them and and maybe uh, you know maybe uh, Nevada. But I, you know I burned 15 points year I forget four or five years ago in Wyoming. So I was a max point holder, and me and another guy cashed in our points. And I mean, it was a good hunt. We were the most successful people we knew of, but, uh, we had at least one encounter every day. We, we just never got any shots, but, um, come to find out we were in an area, a unit probably should have been in two years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you go in and I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you're sitting on like 15 points and you're cashing in 15 years worth of points, there's a pressure there. That's kind of interesting that I wasn't actually uh, I wasn't actually ready for. Oh, that's a real thing. I've only had that happen twice, once in Nevada and once in Washington. And I wish I could say that there was a way around it, but it's undeniable. Yeah, no, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. And, uh, I'm not saying it took the joy out of it at all, but, um, you know, when you get done and, and, you know, you didn't get a bull, and you maybe didn't have the exact hunt you'd imagined and you burned 15 or 20 years worth and probably statistically you're not going to get that tag again in your life. Um, yeah, it's kind of an odd feeling. It's not what I necessarily expected. So when we're looking at like spring is finally arriving, Barclow's starting to figure out where he's going to be in the fall. What's the formula for you to be in quote elk shape? And then also, what do your workouts look like? And if they don't differ, that's fine. Um, but take us through your, you know, your old man workout program. What, what are some of the magical movements or what are the, some of the principles that, that kind of stay true throughout? So first of all, the, you know, the secret to me at, at this point is, I mean, I take days off, but it's a year-round program. I mean, it's it's not something that I stop and start. It's just it's just, it's just my lifestyle, just like you. It's just a lifestyle. Um, I got involved in CrossFit probably before most people even knew what CrossFit was. So call it two thousand three ish, maybe. Um, and did a lot of that. Did a lot of those routines in the you know when I was in the military. And I still do a lot of CrossFit type um, programming, but I'm, I'm really into kettlebells. 
I'm really into like odd load kettlebell stuff. Um, definitely into sandbags. Um, still like Olympic lifts. I do a lot of rowing and a lot of, um, well, a lot of rowing. I mean, I've had a rower for longer than I care to admit. And I think I've gone over 2 million meters or something. Holy, holy smokes. That's, that's a lot, man. Yeah. I talked to a couple guys. They were students at one point of mine and, and they were collegiate rowers. And so I got some of their, their indoor workouts and yeah, I don't know. It's just a way to Zen, but I got an assault bike this winter. Um, and I'm really digging that, you know, whatever you call it, fan bike, assault bike. Um, I'm really digging that, but I, I, I lift a lot more. I lift a lot more in the winter. And then as spring comes, I definitely am itching to get outside and start doing some, some hikes, some weighted hikes, um, step ups, you know, you make them look great, Dan, but they're not my favorite thing in the world. Um, it's a good time to listen to podcasts when you're working out me i think music is false motivation so i try not to listen to music um anyways that's another story but yeah i start hiking and, and definitely getting the 3d range out and shooting outside and uh you know i think spring bear is a great opportunity to test all the new gear that you've bought um any new boots like i think that's the perfect time to really do it new pack break it in you know practice your fire making when it's still wet out and there's snow on the ground and conditions are tough and you're not going to burn the West to the ground. <laughs> um, you know, I think those are all great things. And then as, as the season progresses, again, I keep, I'm shooting more outside. So, um, maybe some of the, the weights come down a little bit on the workouts, but, uh, I start doing a lot of, um, you know, shooting in the field at, you know, ups, downs, side hills. And then as the season gets closer, I do what we used to call in the military. Um, we used to call them stress courses. And so it's, uh, people have done this. I, I, I don't, I don't know the names of the folks, so I don't want to get it wrong, but, but basically what we used to do is, or well, what I do now is, um, you know, a series of things, but basically do something to elevate your heart rate and start making you tired. So that could be, you know, swing your kettlebells 50 times and then walk outside and, and go shoot, you know, at the 3d target at, you know, a good distance, so, something approaching your max distance, or then put on the weighted pack, go do a hill hike, do a hill run, come back, go do a row. And, um, what I've been able to do, and I don't do it. I don't do the shooting for time per se, like we say I would have with a handgun, but um, I'm trying to bring my heart rate down. I'm trying to get my sight picture. I'm trying to work through my shot routine. So I don't want to force any bad habits. But what I found is when I get tired, when I've done these things that I describe and I have to make a shot that I tend to shoot low and left. And I think it's because my bow arm is, uh, you know, somebody else who's a better bow mechanic could tell you, but I, I believe I dropped my, my bow arm down. And so I hit low and left. And so that's something that I work on for say two months going into season. So when I find myself in that position, I'm conscious of it and I've learned hopefully to counter that or to compensate for it. Um, so that's kind of what I do. And then, and then the one thing I haven't done in the past that I did last year and I'll definitely continue now is not only shooting consistently shooting during season, but continuing the workouts where they make sense because 
you know, just going and, and hunting is good, but man, if you come back and you have a 10 day period, like I, and you're, you're the fitness guy, so please weigh in, but I think you need to do something to maintain and not just sit on, sit on the couch, so to speak, and wait for the next opportunity to go out and hunt. It is so hard to shoot during hunting season consistently. I, I think it's a combination of daylight is dwindling. Um, you know, you're still trying to balance when you're going hunting, getting geared up, uh, and then broadheads make things tricky for some people as far as shooting their actual broadhead. They want to keep them sharp, or I, I think that has a little bit to do with it. But I know I don't shoot nearly as much during season. Uh, it's really hard to do. And then as far as training goes, it's for me, it's just in the fall. It's September's out completely. And October, I do start back up, but it's just not fun being that sore from hardly anything. And it seems like I get in worse shape hunting, uh, if that makes any sense. And it's just kind of a vicious cycle that I've come to, to get to, you know, used to. But um, shooting under duress, that is so underrated. I think people don't even think about, you know, how to make their backyard perfect practice scenarios, um, wearing a backpack, wearing your boots or wearing your full on gear and just shooting different positions and even guessing distances. You know, I think we're all guilty of just being all stars in our backyard and maybe it's pride, but there's got to be a better way to elevate your shooting. So it's a little more realistic because I don't think you, I think people can underappreciate this, that you don't rise to your expectations you fall to your highest level of training so if you can elevate your training to surpass anything you need in the field that's the way to go so do you have your own targets like 3d targets at your house and stuff (laughs) yeah i'm uh i'm a pretty lucky guy i've got i've got property here that um i've got targets out to i've got 3d targets out to 100 um, every 10 yards. So definitely have an opportunity to, to get a lot of 3d shooting in. I'm a huge proponent of, you know, shooting broadheads. I mean, I might not shoot broadheads at, at all the 3d targets all the time. Um, that can get a little expensive, but definitely like to shoot broadheads. I think the thing about shooting with a pack is super important because if you've never done that or with your binoculars on at the same time, like it's just different. It's just a different thing. Um, you know, another thing I'll do not a lot, but kind of right before elk season is, you know, I'll do these stress courses, or even if I'm just say at the archery range with my buddies one morning is I'll set my stopwatch for a minute and, you know, come to full draw, start the stopwatch, come to full draw and then hold full draw for a minute. And then once it beeps, go ahead and give yourself, you know, five, 10 seconds to shoot. And, you know, shoot at a realistic distance, like for 40 or 50 yards and see how inaccurate you become. Um, <laughs> and then go in, and then, you know, if you can do it, go ahead and push, push your boundary and see if you can do it for a minute and a half or two minutes. But that's a situation you potentially find yourself in. And you just want to make sure that, you know, if you've been there and done that, then that fear of the unknown is just going to help you be more successful, you know, and you're, you're right. You fall to the lowest level of your training and, you know, I train guys for 20, 20 years and, you know, so it's in my DNA to want to do that. And I've gotten some guys at work 
um, that come out and do some of these stress courses now too. So it's kind of a fun thing to do. Oh, it is. I am. I'm jealous of the your archery range, but I'm coming for you. Look out! I'm gonna build it. Um, I'm not sure. I think I'm gonna roll with outdoor bag targets, and I'm gonna do a little fence posting and a little concrete, and kind of stagger them out. And I have out to a hundred as well. And and it is such a blessing to not have to worry about sharing range time with others. Um, the amount of time it takes to drive to the range. Some people don't even have those things nearby, so they're stuck with 20 yards in their basement or backyard. And so, yeah, man, we're super lucky. Uh, and I think that's really makes it super conducive to just being consistent is having some sort of range where you can pick up your bow, launch a few arrows, bring your stress level down, get refocused, and be about your business. So, um, dude. You know, but before I had the before I had the property here, um, I just had two 3d targets and I, you know, I bought them wherever they were relatively inexpensive for 3d targets. And I would load up the truck the night before and, you know, I'd get in my truck and I would drive 45 minutes one way to the local ski area because it's forest service. So it's, it's free of the public when they're not in season and I'd set up my targets and I'd shoot in the morning before work, you know, and I'd roll out of the house at four o'clock in the morning and, I'd go to work by seven, seven thirty, and I'd get all my shooting in. So there's ways to do it. Um, it's certainly more convenient the way I have it now, but, uh, but I've been doing it for a long time. Cause it's just one, I enjoy it, but it's, it's just that important to me. And I know it's that important to you and it doesn't matter if it's bag targets. I mean, shoot, shoot something. I mean, I'm a big proponent. If you can, you know what I did, Dan, real quick. Um, years ago in Alaska, when I didn't have access to 3d targets, cause it was so expensive to ship. I'm not the greatest artist, but I drew up, um, I still have a couple of them, a bull elk, a mule deer, I think in a brown bear, um, out of three quarter inch plywood. And then I cut out realistic kill zones and then I'd stake, painted them up and everything. And then I'd stake the targets out, but the kill zone would had a bag target behind it. So I still got you know, I'm a big proponent of, of visualization and training. Um, and so you still get that visualization of picking a spot, seeing an animal, putting it behind the shoulder, all those things. So, um, I'm not going to say I've kind of done it all, but I've definitely done it long enough that I've had to work through it. And I've just worked my way, way up to the position I'm in now, just like you have. I love that, man. That is so cool. And people might be stuck at home right now and you might've just kicked a killer idea for folks to do a little home DIY project. Oh, it's easy. It's great. It's fun too. It's fun. Yeah. My kids would get a kick out of that. Um, speaking of bows, man, like, do you have your starting lineup for 2020? Do you know what rig you're going to go with? Uh, it's, it's funny you say that. So, um, I got an R a Hoyt RX four ultra right now. Um, I just kind of finished the tune on it. I normally shoot in the factory strings and then replace them with some aftermarket just so I have an extra set. Um, got that going. I'm still, I tell you, I'm still a little on fence with arrows though, Dan. Um, uh, I'm a big Easton guy, so I've been shooting Axis and FMJs for a long time, but I'm seriously considering this micro diameter pro comp. Um, they're kind of like a, they're kind of like an FMJ injection, but anyways, they're a, a 
carbon outer core, aluminum inner. I've had them for a couple years, and now they're actually making a hunting version of it. But uh, I'm always playing around. I'm, you know, I'm a bow mechanic, just like you. Um, but right now, it's at RX4 Ultra. Uh, right now, I'm going to shoot an Axis 340 with brass. And then um, I think John Dudley, uh, well, whenever this thing blows over, I'm, I'm going to fly out to his house. I think uh, we're going to build up one of those PSCs and, and give that one a run as well. That'll be really fun to shoot that bow and see for yourself uh, if it lives up to the hype or if it's something that you just shoot lights out. You know how it is when you just have that bow that you just – it's undeniable. Um, talk to me about these pro comps. So it's like the inverse of an FMJ? Yeah, well, an FMJ injection. But the nice thing is – so it's a 4 mil Right. It's a four mil arrow. It's got aluminum core. It's got carbon on the outside. It takes a deep six knock. Um, but the cool thing is, and I was never been a fan of outserts, um, shot some other brands. I just didn't like them. They don't spin. Anyways, lots of problems. And uh, but these these Easton outserts for these pro comps, which allows you to shoot any broadhead. You don't have to just shoot a deep six. Right. Uh, it is the best the best outsert I've seen, it goes really deep into the shaft, which I think helps the strength. Um, if you cut them well, everything mates up. And so I'm just playing around with them right now. I've had them, like I said, for at least a year. And, uh, but the penetration, even on a target, it's, it's twice as much penetration with the four mil as it is with the, with the five mil shaft. Oh, I believe it. So it's got me intrigued and, you know, you can run a smaller vein it's, you know, I'm, I'm a, I shoot a fairly heavy arrow, but I can shoot kind of a mid weight arrow, but I just think this thing, I think even on elk, this thing is just, it'd be a killer. If I can get, if I can get them to fly well out of this bow, I don't see any reason I couldn't. I, I just think they, so anyways, it's early enough. I might work the pro comp up for bear season and just see how it works. Like I said, that now's the time to try stuff. So, um, they're not cheap though. If you're, if you're online right now looking for one, Dan, like the price tag could set you back a little bit. Um, that's probably the biggest, the biggest, uh, detriment to them, but man, they are just an outstanding arrow because they came from the, from the field outdoor field industry. So, I mean, weight, strength, um, you know, spine straightness, all that stuff is just incredible. Oh man, you just opened a rabbit hole. But I know arrows. If you come to my barn sometime, you'll see I have an arrow problem for sure. Yeah, um, we're coming out in June. I'm gonna I'm gonna connect with you if you're in town. Uh, are you gonna come out for one of your camps? I'm gonna help Ryan Lampers with his camp. Oh, right on. He's, yeah, cool. he's got a couple, and I'm I'm slated to do one of them. So I'll be awesome. in the hood, and I'm bringing the whole fam damly with me. So it'll be fun. We're actually gonna swing through. Uh, after camp, we're going to hit up Yellowstone. Which, oh, nice. I mean, eh, it'll be good. I want the kids to see it. Um, but I'm really stoked to go hang out up in Stanley, Idaho for a few days. Really mm. looking forward to that. And then we'll just work our way back. But back to Broadheads and <laughs> Deep Six, I got a question for you. Like, you've, you've killed a lot of critters. You're a bow geek, uh, level 10. Uh, anytime I make videos on YouTube about broadheads, uh, 
I know that's going to pop. I know it's going to hit hard. People are going to, it's going to get a lot of views. Uh, but it's also going to get a lot of comments and a lot of opinions. And so uh, let's just go like historically last five seasons. What has been your go-to broadhead for elk? And um, it doesn't have to mean that it's the only broadhead, but what have you tried and, and what do you feel like you're leaning towards using this year? Yeah, so every year I try to, you know, pick three different broadheads that I haven't shot before and I, I, you know, start shooting them. I don't have a shooting machine. It's probably the only thing I don't have, but my buddy's kind of strong arming me to get one. But, um, so I'll try different broadheads and see what's out there. Um, so I probably shot certainly not all of them, but the vast majority of them. And really at that point, what I'm looking for is aero flight consistency and weight, do they spin well, or do I buy a whole pack of three that doesn't spin that I can't use? Um, you know, sharpness, durability, et cetera. But, um, but really in the spring, I'm looking to see if they'll fly. Um, I've shot probably since two, you said five years. So since 2015, uh, the Ramcat original broadhead, which is like an inch and three force cut. Um, it's got, it's a fixed blade, but the blades are, are kind of bolt on, uh, man, I have killed stuff, you know, bulls for sure. Um, that haven't gone a hundred yards. I mean, just devastating. And I believe every one of those broadheads I got back and used as a practice head after the fact. Um, so I know those work. Um, also the last, uh, two years, I guess. So yeah, the last two years I've killed bulls with, um, the, uh, the tripan, the rage tripan, which I'm not embarrassed to say that, but I didn't ever think I would say that. Um, and I don't know what it is about that specific broadhead. So not the no collars, not the, all the others, but that tripan, um, the bulls I've shot with that tripan, I don't think have gone more than 50 or 60 yards and the blood trails have been insane. Mm -hmm. Now, knock on wood, I've not hit a bone and I think that I don't know what the outcome would be if I did that. And so for this year, I am again, looking to see what's out there. I've got some real good ones to fall back on. Um, the Wacom four blade has flown really well for me, really sharp spins great just haven't haven't shot anything with it um the traditional uh exodus seems to fly really well seems to be like a bulldog i don't think it's going to get beat up um too quickly but you know I, i'd like something you know ideally if they had a fixed head that was an inch and a half wide that flew really well like that would be ideal but some of these fixed heads that fly really well and maybe are great and sharp Man, a one-inch cut just doesn't do it for me. I just, to me, to me, I need, I need a bigger hole. Um, I, I want, I want blood on the ground. I, I, I have a hard time tracking these things if they go, you know, more than two hundred yards. And so I'm looking for a big cut, and that's that's the benefit to the rage. Um, and even that Ramcat was an inch and three quarter, like I said, but. You know, there's a lot of great ones out there. I'm also going to start looking at some things uh, from, um, oh, geez, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm spacing it. 
which ones do you shoot? I'll, I'll think of that. Yeah, um, the last couple of years I've been shooting the Grim Reapers Hades. It's the micro. The Grim Reaper. That's exactly what I was trying to think of. I, that's why I thought you, you. Yeah, I've been. I'm looking at Grim Reapers. Um, talk to a guy at Western. Who, who actually works for him. And I actually know a couple guys, the Scousen brothers who shoot for him and they kill stuff, big bulls every year. And so I need to, I need to take a hard look at what Grim Reaper's doing. Um, again, I've shot them before, but I need to look at what they're doing. You're shooting the Hades. Yeah. It's a, they have a three and four. I think mine's the, yeah, I like the three blade and it's the, it's the micro version. I think it still gets you an inch and three sixteenths. I want to say, don't quote me. But there's a there's this one company I saw at ATA and it looked awesome. I like solid, you know, one one chunk of, of iron metal, whatever you want to call it, just no moving parts. It was called the Annihilator, uh, I think that's the name. And I talked to one of my buddies into trying those because I, I shoot for Grim Reaper and, and I'm happy. But I, he was asking me, and I'm like, well, give those Annihilators a shot. Uh, I think the downfall to those is, I mean, you can resharpen them. It's all one chunk, but uh, again, I think you're getting an inch of a cutting diameter. And I'm like you, I just kind of, I just, oh, I flinch at that. Well, um, you know, I tried the Iron Wills um, when they first came out, and they were gracious enough to send me a few. And I, I really can't say enough good about them. They're an incredible broadhead. Um, but I think they were only an inch. Don't, don't get, don't quote me on that. And they had little bleeders. Um, just an amazing, amazingly well-built broadhead. But I think now they have like a wide cut version. Yeah. And I think Snyder's talked, um, Aaron Snyder's talked pretty good about them, but, um, I've not had the best luck honestly with, I mean, I'll still call that a two blade, even though they have little bleeders, but um, that may be one I think I'll look at as well, just because I think it gets you a wider cut. And I know that they flew really well. The smaller version flew really well out of my bow at the time, like to 60 yards for sure. Um, but you know, every year <clears throat> that, that's one thing I do is I try to look and find three or four and you know, there's, there's some good ones out there, but but there's a lot of there's a lot that aren't right. I mean, it's, for me, it's definitely just... it's saturated. And yeah, I think everybody has their, you know, a couple of like must haves in a broadhead. And I think if you yeah. stick to that and and do what you do and just get your hands on a couple, uh, that's why I hand out the broadhead I use. I I give every elk shape camp athlete. Oh, nice. I'm just yeah. giving one to say, hey, just go test it with your others and you got to figure out what shoots the best out of your rig, um, which is important. Uh, let me ask you this. I know we're getting over an hour, but are you guys ever going to dabble into the sleep system market from a sick year? Uh, maybe. Okay. I know, to, I know exactly to, what that means. And that's really you're exciting. Gonna wait, you're going to have to wait and see, buddy. Okay. Um, I will tell you, there's a really, I'm really excited about a product coming out. Uh, I don't want to piss off our marketing department because I know they want to announce it publicly, but it's, it's in Western Hunter magazine. So I don't know how secret it is, but, uh, but it's a new binocular optics harness, um, that'll be coming out here. I think the beginning of May and, uh, I'm super fired up about it. It's been an idea I've had for eight years. I've got 
old protos I've put together from different pieces and parts for a long time. And, and, uh, anyway, so that's coming out and then, um, and then some new, uh, some new puffy layers. So Ooh, it'll, it'll all... be exciting. we've, we've done it a little different this year. We normally hit the shows and tell everybody in January what we're doing. And, and this year we want to kind of hold the suspense. So I, I think that's this optics harness is the first one to kind of, kind of be unveiled and uh and like i said you know right wrong or indifferent it, it got launched in uh in the western hunter mag so if people are interested they might go there and check it out or or maybe they've already seen it but yeah oh i have that on my desk i haven't looked at it yet so yeah, the survival issue there's also an article in the back that i was reading through it and i'm like and all of a sudden i see my name in like bold print and uh, which kind of surprised me, of course. And they talked about the uh, the the active rewarming drill I did with uh, Adam Yonke and Stephen Drake a couple years ago. So just a good little refresher for people. Yeah, everybody should like that's one of the le- like the last frontier magazines you got to have for sure. That's like the one I get. So I'm gonna check that out. That'll be good. And uh, I'm excited because binos are. I've gone through. I like FHF. I thought that I have some of theirs. Um, I like Sika's one that came out three years ago, maybe with the zipper, all one unit. Uh, it's super. It's really good. It's quiet. It's good. And then Vortex came out with one that only came with the UHD purchase, so you could only get it. And I'm a huge fan of that one. And then I I just recently did a test with ADAC, and uh, gosh, I think Alaska Guide Creations, and I ended up I'm actually have ADAC right now is what i'm using and yeah i saw you uh you post a picture i think today or yesterday wearing one yeah yeah it's good um my my scent windicator keeps flying out it doesn't hold that big bulky orange one that i i prefer just so i don't lose them as much but uh that'd be the it doesn't have a zip in the back panel um yeah which is the other thing but it definitely is quiet and lightweight, and I like that I can open up the harness with one hand and get my right. rhinos out. Uh, yeah, because you're holding your bow or rifle on the other hand. Yeah, yeah, but so I guess I am a little bit of a snob when it comes, so I'm excited to see this come out. Um, I think bino harnesses is like, you can geek out on those, and you'd be surprised how important they play a role in your hunt. Oh, yeah. Well, you'll have one coming your way, Dan, so don't worry about that. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll check it out. I just don't quite have them yet, but soon next month I'll, I'll have them in the U S so yeah, I'm excited. Well, dude, thanks for coming on, on a, on an evening and breaking my rule of working past five. But, uh, I think my wife will let this one slide. She says hi for, she want me to tell you hi. And, uh, yeah, man, we're excited. I'm going to try to come see you in June. That would be wonderful. Cause I know we've missed each other the last few times. Definitely, man. Well, appreciate everything. And, uh, I know that you don't post more than one picture at a time on Instagram, but what is your Instagram handle? Uh, so Dan, this is actually big news and you're not the first pod. You're, you're not the first podcast. I actually announced this on my buddy, uh, Andy's cleared hot podcast, but, uh, I've been, uh, I've been thinking, Dan, I've been, I've been thinking about changing my, uh, my social, my socialness. Um, but it's at, J Barklow, B-A-R-K-L-O-W, at J Barklow. Um, so currently there's only one picture, and what I've done in the past, what Dan's referring to is I've uh, 
I've only posted one picture, and before I post another one, then I delete the first one. Um, and it's always been of me and my cat. So just <laughs> quite frankly, making fun of Instagram. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I've, I've been, I've been I can picture that it. picture. That's why I'm laughing because I've yeah. seen <laughs> well, so, so the picture on there right now is a, it's a custom Yeti mug that the guys at Yeti did for me. And it's a, it's me and my, it's me and my cat on there. They did for my birthday, but, um, no, I'm actually thinking about I'm actually thinking about delving into this world. Um, I think I got a few things to say, and and uh, I, I hear this social platform called Instagram is a place to potentially do that. So, um, yeah. So thanks thanks for letting me give the shout out. Okay. Well, now I'm excited and I'm anticipating some gold. I Don't. just got to stop being scared and do the first one, then I'll be good. Oh, dude! Anytime you post, the, you get so many likes and comments on on your one post at a time it's it's quite comical i know it's hilarious i here's my request maybe so insta story is not as popular as just a post but if you could just post a stress test or you shooting in your back range then i would know what you're talking about so that's my one request is to see a little footage of that backyard shooting well, and so I think that's kind of the point, Dan, is some of these things that, you know, I find unique. Just listen, I, I was an educator. I was an instructor for 20 years. I'm passionate about it. If I could continue to do it, you know, I would have. But um, yeah, that's why I love like what you're doing, right? Like what you're doing with your with your Instagram page, your website, and now these elk camps, like you're an educator as well. You, you owned your own gym. Like I know you understand the passion. And when you know stuff that you think can help other people like you want to do that and uh that's kind of that's kind of the conclusion i've i've come to I'm, I'm an idiot it took me this long but yeah that's the kind of stuff i want to do it's not about selfies and self-promotion it's about trying to help people mm, that's gold john barklow sicky gear big game innovator and just one hell of an archer dude thanks for coming on man looking forward to seeing you this summer thanks bro enjoyed it as always All right, guys. Remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Okay, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. John Barklow. That guy is pure gold. I love that guy, man. Seriously, John, thanks for coming on. And remember, 90 Days of Freedom. Get entered to win the Crossover Symmetry set. We do have the discount code to Elk Shape Online. That is Elk Season, all one word. Get you 20 bucks off Elk Shape Camp Online. And honestly, I just added another video to that. I think we're getting up to 70 videos now from all the Elk Shape Camps. And I have two more camps that we've done I haven't even begun to edit. So I think by the end of the year, we're going to have 100 plus videos on there. It's going to be a lot of information to digest. That's why we give you a year access to that, which is awesome. Check out the store. Support the cast. Keep working hard towards your goals. Stay positive. Be the leader your family needs during these times. Make sure you know your why. Understand delayed gratification, discipline, and stay accountable to yourself. You guys are the best. Keep working hard. Take care. We'll catch you on the next one. I'm out.